right? If you're just jumping on, just give us a few seconds to let every give everyone a chance to join and then we'll get started. All right, hello everyone. I'm Rachel Zabonik-Chanko, Editor-in-Chief of Club Solutions Magazine and welcome to our virtual thought leadership series. First, I'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor for this session, ASF and Club OS. And I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us today. We have a really awesome panel for today's session here to talk to us about reaching the other 80% or essentially how to expand your market reach. I'll start with asking each of our panelists to introduce themselves and share a little bit about their businesses. And Sheldon, let's go ahead and start with you. Okay, well, thank you for having me here, Rachel. It's a pleasure to be on. My name is Sheldon McBee, and I'm the executive director here at Universal Athletic Club in uh, the very lovely Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Central PA. Um, we are a full-service health club, many, many different amenities. We're about a 10,000-member health club right now, and uh, fortunately, we are on that road to uh, recovery and, and discovery and balance moving into 2022. Um, and our, our facility, you know, we, we are a family focused facility and take a lot of pride in ensuring that people who join our facility are part of a, a lifestyle and not just like a results driven space, you know. So, um, yeah, that, that's our facility. I'm really looking forward to sharing my thoughts on what we do here and hearing everybody else's perspective and thoughts on it as well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks, Sheldon. All right, Brent, go ahead. Thanks, Rachel. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Brent Free. I'm the general manager of the Rochester Athletic Club. We're in Rochester, Minnesota. have a population of about 115,000 people. We're a single location multi-purpose club with 260,000 square feet under roof. We have an outdoor water park and uh, eight outdoor tennis courts. Uh, six are clay, which is pretty unique up in this area of the country. Um, Pre-COVID, we topped out at over 14,000 members. Currently, we are similar to Sheldon with around 10,000 members. Uh, we're a family-focused club as, as well. What makes us unique is our family entertainment center. We call it the neighborhood. Um, it has 35,000 square feet that are just designed for basically the 7 to 12-year-old age group. Our price point is $83 a month for individuals, $182 for family. And we've been in business for about 28 years. Awesome. Thanks, Brent. Corey, go ahead. Thank you, Rachel, everyone uh, as well. Um, yeah, former director for Lifetime at F45. So I'm pretty well versed coming from big box into now boutique fitness the last couple of years. And now the new chief operating officer for Tough Mudder's new fitness concept, um, which is called VoloFit, which I'm really excited about. We're about to launch our uh, and grand open our corporate headquarters in Charlotte. And we have six other locations around the country and 25 more planned um, in the next two years. So really excited uh, to bring some community um, into our studios uh, and change some lives in the process. Perfect, very exciting, Corey, thank you. Carolyn. Hi, I'm Carolyn Vesey Jackson. I'm a co-owner of Cedardale Health and Fitness. Uh, we're located in Massachusetts, uh, just north of Boston. We are a family-owned business. We're celebrating our 50th year in business. Um, we have one facility. Yes, it comes after that. We have one We're located um, on about 44 acres of land. Uh, we're an indoor-outdoor facility. So um, seasonally, we open up our outdoor um, where we have uh, large pools, tennis, uh, spray grounds, recreational programs, 
Um, also at our facility, we operate a summer camp um, as well as we have a recreational facility with mini golf and batting, an aquatic center, an amazement center. We run after school programs as well as corporate outings. And then in our main uh, fitness facility and wellness facility, um, we have a new club uh, about two and a half years old where we have everything from uh, tennis, pickleball. Um, we have many wellness programs. We run internally weight management, nutritional programs, exercise programs. Uh, we have your traditional cardio and strength training as well as basketball. We have an elevated track group exercise and water exercise as well. So um, we have about roughly, we're getting back up, we're close to about 3,700 adult members that bumps up with our junior membership seasonally. And depending on the time of year, we add um, an additional 1,500 to 2,000 um, junior members. Awesome. Thing so, we also have a kid zone. <laughs> Perfect. And for anyone who's interested in learning more about Cedardale, that'll be our cover story for December. So be sure to keep an eye out for that. All right, Joanna. Hi, everybody. And thanks, Rachel, for hosting this. Um, I'm Joanna Meslowski. I'm the chief operating officer for the Wellbridge Company. The Wellbridge Company has owned and um, managed athletic clubs and spas, um, up to about 150 of those since the early 1980s. Um, we are now 18 athletic clubs and spas in eight different domestic markets. Um, we're home-based in Denver, Colorado. That's where I'm at today. And uh, we offer everything from executive, uh, 40,000 square foot executive clubs, all the way up to 300,000 square foot uh, multi-sport uh, family outdoor pools and rec areas. Um, so we, we really run the gamut. Um, we are we have a vision of consistently believing in better, which is um, really important to today's conversation. And that's followed up by a mission to inspire active lifestyles. Also important to this conversation of simply getting people moving. Um, obviously we want to engage them and, and retain them in the club environment, but I think it's really important that we are um, talking to people about getting moving. So we inspire um, active lifestyles through uh, three pillars culture, which is our teams and our associates, um, when we believe in, in when they're creative and engaged and empowered that they're going to give back to our community, which of course, internal inside our clubs and also outside our clubs. So we say that we inspire active lifestyles through culture, community, and then of course, we all hope we'll get results, um, results for the member, results for the community, um, results for the business. So that is a little bit about the Wellbridge company and I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Thanks, Joanna. I love that vision that you shared, just getting people moving. All right, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff Lynn, Executive Director of Weymouth Club. Um, the owner, Stephen Sally, owned it for 33 years. Uh, we're 20 minutes south of Boston, and I would say that's probably at like midnight. It's 20 minutes, but any other time, it's about an hour and a half, but we're, we're just outside of Boston. Um, our features are very similar to Cedardale and Rochester in terms of multi-purpose, family-orientated. Uh, Pre-COVID, we were about 9,500 members, 40% uh, family. Um, we're, we're about 80% to that number. We were in the spring, we were 50% to that number. So we've done some nice growth uh, in the last six months, almost 30% of the membership back. All of our programming has been through the roof, probably similar to a lot of you, 
particularly the family market has been, our camps were all sold out. It's just, we can't get enough of the family programming right now in terms of servicing. We're struggling with staff even to service the amount of demand. So obviously that's all good stuff. Our, our main financial goal really is to gain back that 20% of the membership base. Um, we are seeing a lot of, we'll call it new blood, you know, joining the club during that, that run, which is great. You know, as, as maybe some of you around the country that are seeing extensive new membership sales, we've had tremendous volumes of new membership sales uh, in the last six months. And we really sort of paid attention to, you know, who's new, how many belong to clubs before, you know, that sort of uh, uh, understanding of, of what is, you know, what is fresh out of that additional 30% now. So anyway, we're looking to get the 20% back and, and certainly looking towards the 80% of the market for that. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Yeah, so again, just to the attendees, we're really going to focus on market expansion, um, engaging members who typically haven't been members of facilities. So if you have um, any questions for our panel, please put those in the Q&A or the chat function, chat function, and I'll get to them if I can. All right, well, let's start with um, the first question. You know, historically, gyms have been good at attracting people who are already bought into the benefits of exercise. And I want to get each of your thoughts on how clubs can expand beyond this group and attract individuals who haven't been members before. Sheldon, what are your thoughts? Oh, yeah. So this is a really interesting and good question. You know, for Universal Athletic Club, who I'll, you know, I'll speak on behalf of, uh, we saw a lot of big influx of members, new members who joined us, and we really really work hard on finding out the real reasons why they joined who were new especially and over the past year what we discovered was and we knew this for a long time but it really stood out for us that there are key reasons why people chose not to do it in the first place when it comes to like the marketing and the marketing message it's more, it became more about overcoming that than trying to highlight so much what you do first and foremost so if people were afraid to come into the facility in the first place because they didn't know what to do they also were feeling as if they had some level of guilt because their health was becoming poor, their wellness was becoming poor, and they had an extrinsic reason that drove them into um, our facility. Uh, and we also knew that, um, you know, some people felt there was a fear of unknown, they're uncomfortable. So when it comes to the marketing message, for us, we had to shift our mindset and say, if we're going to put a message out to the world about what we do and what we are, how we can help you. It cannot always be about the X's and O's of the facility and what we offer in terms of driving your results. It is about how we can overcome your fear of the unknown and help you feel good about the decision that you're about to make. So for us uh, and for anyone listening to this about your marketing message and how you can expand, it just became about us solving a different problem. The problem for us was we know how frustrating it can feel to go visit the doctor and get that bad news. We know what it's like for you to sit at home, know you need to do the right thing, yet you're unsure about the decision. Well, we at Universal Athletic Club do X, Y, and Z. And then your life will be different by making the decision by acting now. And it just, we had to shift our message. And by shifting our messages, we just saw a different type of person pay attention, clicking on our ads, who are choosing to take on our call to, calls to action that were less results driven and more about just solving that problem of overcoming the fear of getting into a facility, which is something we were not really doing before. We were not. We were very focused on the X's and O's of our service 
and not so much about that specific problem to solve. So that, that was a, a big one for us. Um, you know, and also uh, being very community driven, we had to really dial that up. We felt like we had good community partners. We did great community events, but we, had, we really had to show our specific community that we were part of a lifestyle and not just a four wall brick and mortar. And so we reached out to our community partners, tried to work harder on being more integrated in what they're doing and being more visible in the community. Uh, this helped shift us to be more in the forefront of our potential new members who did not really know about us. They we were right down the street, but yet they didn't really know much about us, but we became more present. So being much more community driven, changing our message to solve that specific problem, that for us was the biggest thing that helped us drive our numbers where we are today, which is now surpassing the 80% of where, uh, you know, where we were uh, two years ago. So I can, I can kind of go on and on, but if I could just land the biggest point, the primary thing is shifting the message of solving a problem uniquely, which is why people don't choose to come into a facility in the first place. They're afraid, they're uncomfortable, or they're feeling guilty and don't have a call to action to help overcome that. It just it is just less about all the toys you have in the facility, you know? And, and on top of that, it is feeling like they're coming to a place where they feel like they are gonna be taken care of and not feel lost. That that was the big message shift for us. Yeah, that's great insight, Sheldon. Yeah, fear, shame are all extremely powerful emotions. So if clubs can figure out how to address those concerns, they'll be able to, I think, overcome a lot of these challenges. So great, great advice. All right, Brent, what about you? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I'll piggyback off what Sheldon said. I think he's spot on. I mean, you know, our customers in a different place than they were before, right? I mean, everybody realizes that, um, you know, the industry is bouncing back. Uh, it's been, it was decimated, obviously. We were all, we all went through this roller coaster and uh, I, everything I'm hearing for the most part, depending upon where you live, there's certain restrictions that are tighter in some states, but um, the new members are, are coming back and uh, we're seeing in the last few months, 82% um, increase in members and we're kind of climbing back sort of how Sheldon said they're, they're kind of climbing back out of this. We have a ways to go. Um, but 82% compared to our seven year average the last three months in October looks like it's going to be that or better. Um, so that's the good news. Uh, I think the biggest key right now is, um, and a lot of these people are new. They aren't, we have a lot of people that come and go from our club um, uh, and, and they'll, they will be back, but a lot of these people are new members. And um, basically it's just about reshifting. Like Sheldon said, your, your mindset on what is your advertising campaign now it probably shouldn't be what it always has been and tapping into some of those needs that people have. I'll expand on some of that a little bit later and the other, the other questions that maybe we'll talk about, but I, I think that's the key right now to really take a look at who you are and, and what your role is in your community as a club and, and then play into those, um, you know, the, the new customer, should I say the new gym goer that we're, we're trying to attain. I mean, we've been trying to get these people forever but there's no better time than right now. Uh, no better time. Yeah. Yeah. I think like you were probably um, indicating, I think a lot of people are feeling more isolated. There's a lot of loneliness. So those are definitely additional needs that you can try to cater to, to attract people. So great tips. Corey, what about you? What are your thoughts on attracting people who've never been members before? Oh my God. How much time do we have, Rachel? Because I think, I think Sheldon and Brent basically, I'm going to say exactly what they said, but I'm going to use my favorite quote to do it. 
Unfortunately, it's not my quote, it's Simon Sinek's quote. And he says, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And spot on to exactly what Sheldon was saying. The goal is really never to sell something to someone based on what we have. I mean, let's be honest, we all have the same stuff. We have weights, we have music, we have, right? It's to get someone to buy something because they believe in what you believe in. And so that translates into the messaging, right? And so what drives me up the wall in the industry, probably the first 15 years of my career is I was always talking about what I have to sell and how great it is. And when we switch that mindset to what is the consumer's problem um, and what are they struggling with? And then to Sheldon's point, leading back to us as the solution, we've been a lot more, not only successful, but more profitable. And so how we do that in a studio, and it's a little bit different for us because we're in boutiques uh, fitness. So it's a lot more, it's a little more, um, it's easier to scale down because uh, there's less footprint, less members, but um, we leverage our early, early adapters, right? Our most um, confident and, and uh, first on board members uh, when we first open. Um, and we do obviously referral programs, newsletters, and fitness challenges. Those three things specifically engage them enough to where they wanna bring people that might be intimidated. But as we know, people like to follow early adapters. So if we can leverage them in the right way, using that type of programming, we tend to be successful getting some people off the couch that never thought they would even join a studio or a gym. Perfect. All right, I love it. Start with why. Go ahead, Joanna. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll jump um, and maybe expand to the, my thought in regards to this. Um, and I think Corey's talking to about it a bit, but it's about meeting them where they're at versus them coming to us and then us helping them. And um, I, I thankfully was able to attend a, a few days of URSA last week where I thought there was a lot of actually good sessions on this specific topic. So I'll bring one forward that I, um, I hope everyone uh, is able to hear. And maybe it's, you know, maybe everyone already knows it, but I, it really hit home for me. Um, I believe it was either Blair McKinney or, or one of the, the gentlemen or um, ladies who hosted uh, part of the summit. And they had a good concept and they talked about instead of trying to bite off the 80%, Let's just bite off even just 10 more percent. And what is that 10% that we could potentially um, really speak to? And that's someone that has had experience with some sort of fitness or movement. Think about those people that are into outdoor recreation, um, into some sort of sporting activity, um, whether it's, you know, the obvious ones like basketball, football, whatever, or uh, maybe the not so obvious ones, those that are out doing pickleball. And really think about those people, they already have experience with fitness and potentially we could talk to those people a little bit better by going into their rec programs, meeting them where they're at, um, bringing, you know, and I, I realize a lot of us have uh, full gyms um, with cardio and weights and stuff, but a lot of us have also expanded into functional floor areas and turf areas and studios where we have space. And how can we reimagine those space, those uh, spaces to welcome that 10% in that's had experience with movement or fitness before, but doesn't really wanna to go to the gym because they don't think that's fun. I mean, how many people do you know in your personal life that are like, oh, I don't wanna to go to the gym. That's so boring and you know, drab. And we have to really show them this is about being fun. And that, gets, that goes well beyond the equipment we have, you know, to, to Brent's point, the equipment we have and the staff we have and things like that. It really is meeting them where they're at and then encouraging them that we're a welcoming environment and they can start to expand that from where they maybe were to where they're going um, in their adult life. Let's say if we just start with adults um, and, and I'd love to start with kids too, 
but in some regards we know parents need to drive the children or get the child to our facilities so I think um, unfortunately or fortunately we we have to start with the adult in the equation um, unless we have some activity where they're already coming to our club so really think about what is that 10 percent because then we go, okay, then we bite off another 10%, 10%, but we always try to bite off this 80% and oh my gosh, what a variety we have there. So yeah. let's think about who are those that have had experience with movement and fitness before, felt an emotion. I think Sheldon was talking about that, felt an emotion, emotion with that, realized that I think there was another stat that only five minutes of movement can truly change your outlook. Um, all of us have done that before. We walk at lunch or you know, uh, right after work, we do a short yoga session, whatever that is. We felt that they've probably felt a little bit of it before. How can we more talk about that versus what we are now? Yeah. Yeah. Great advice, Joanne. I go for a little bit more of the low hanging fruit than maybe the most difficult people to attract. Yeah. All right, Carolyn, what are your thoughts? Well, I think, you know, we're, because we have so much to offer at Cedardale, we have always had such a wide array of uh, family programs, junior programs, um, tennis. So we've never really had a marketing campaigns with the super chiseled, super fit looking people in our, in our marketing materials. So we've always tried to keep it very real with real members of all shapes and sizes and trying to emphasize the fun aspect, the recreational, you know, moving and having fun at the same time. So we've always had that type of approach. You know, we, we have a lot of aquatics. So that kind of attracts a different type of member as well than your um, regular gym goer who's into cardio or the, or the weight room. So, but a few of the things that we have done or tried to do a little more of recently is some of the promotions out into the community offering, um, you know, for a week, an introductory tennis lesson, you know, come on in, try it if you've never tried it before and trying to picture people who are new to an activity and enjoying it. Um, we do the same thing with junior programs. You know, we just launched a, a parent and taught program. Um, where, you know, it is a free lesson and the feedback we're getting from people is, you know, we weren't sure if that would be right for us, but when you offer a complimentary program, they come in, they see, you know, the parents um, get more comfortable, the kids get more comfortable, and it exposes them to other activities um, at the same time. So we've done that with pickleball, with tennis, with swim, in addition to those, you know, come on in and see the club uh, promotions that we do. I think the other thing that I'm not sure if you'd call this marketing, but um, something that makes a huge difference for us is the way people that kind of deconditioned population are treated here at Cedardale. Um, that we have welcoming staff that, you know, it, from the minute they walk in the front door, to when they meet with a membership advisor, that we try to make them as comfortable as possible and tour the club in a way that, um, you know, if they need to access an elevator, it's, it's very much a facil facility that um, engages everybody, regardless of restrictions that you might have. And a lot of that um, also comes from the feedback that we're hearing from our membership advisors and what they're seeing 
and hearing from um, this deconditioned population that is either through word of mouth or they see something on social media, but something has drawn them in. And um, we, we're getting a lot of feedback from the membership advisors about really focusing on um, the welcoming aspect of the club, because then that turns into the word of mouth um, marketing and, and more people are following. So I think that the member service is huge for us because we have that reputation and you hear the stories. Someone just mentioned it in a meeting yesterday about a woman who um, struggled with her weight, struggled with being physically active. And she said, I've been to many different gyms and this is the only place that I feel welcome and I look forward to going to. And that's what you want. You want that feeling to spread throughout the community. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Carolyn. I think um, a lot of fitness people don't necessarily know how to relate to individuals who aren't super passionate about exercise. And it is hard to put yourself in the shoes of someone um, who is deconditioned walking into a facility for the first time and, and trying to you know, relate to what those feelings are. So I think that's an important conversation to have. And it's something that we'll definitely get into a little bit more uh, later on in this session. So excited to talk about that. But Jeff, I want to give you an opportunity real quick to answer the first question. Yeah, they're all great comments the whole group made. Um, so I'll just add from a slightly different angle, if you will, a little bit of what Carolyn was saying is that the first question to ask yourself is, if you really want to attract 80% of the market, can you truly deliver the right experience for 80% of the market? Can you truly service them? Because it's a very different experience and service. You know, my owner who's her whole world is her camp that she runs for kids. She says, I can market all I want, but if I don't deliver a great experience and product, it's a waste of time and money. So meaning that that delivery of experience and results, which means a kid coming to a camp has, is happy, excited, you know, tired at the end of the day, saying great things to their parents about it, but that's what it's all about, right? So you take that same con concept and you put that towards the 8% of the market and you go, okay, can you really deliver that? Can you actually really do that? So that's the first question everyone should really ask themselves. And to me, I don't think it's cookie cutter. Let's just keep it simple with the 20% and the 80%. Your operation can't be the same. When they walk into the club, how your membership team handles it, their member integration, the programs and services that you're offering, it's gotta be very different. And your team has to be trained very differently to service those markets to, again, get the result that we're talking about, which to me is what's our number one source of new membership is referrals, right? So if you can't, if you take in an 80 percenter and if you can't deliver that, then you're not getting the referrals. But if you can deliver it, guess what? You should be very focused on referrals for that 80 percent of the market. And that, that's, that's a gold mine there sitting there for you. So um, I don't have all the answers for everyone's individual clubs or operations. This group certainly has good answers. And you go around the country, there's a lot of good answers there. You've got to pick out, you know, the, the needles in the haystack for your operation to go, what can my operation handle to, to really create that experience at the back end for that 80% uh, experience? Yeah, Joanna, did you, we're going to add something? Yeah, maybe I'll expand on that um, to one of the other questions I know uh, potentially we're going to get into, but creative events and programs and strategies, as Jeff was just mentioning, 
it's really hard to think 80% of the market and how are we going to serve all of them with this cookie cutter approach, which is very common. We still do it too. Trial passes, guest passes, whatever. Let the person come in and experience whatever they want or walk them through it, whatever. Um, but one of the big things that we've been talking about is giving that person direction about what they're coming in to do. So give them a two-week program, give them a four-week program, a six-week program. You know, a, a lot of, and Corey could probably speak to this, but on the studio side, there's a lot of, um, you know, one-month programs or 10 passes or you're training for a specific event. And that seems to be attracting a, a larger population. And so maybe some of us that are specifically more into uh, the, the club or gym environment, we could give some better direction um, with the idea that we can personalize the experience a little bit better. Um, and we can give a specific result that's going to happen at the end of that time period, whether it's two or four or six weeks, um, because we think people want flexibility. But potentially, the reason they haven't come to us is number one, I totally understand. And I, I, I guess I should... Um, to say, I, I don't know that I understand as well because I'm a fitness person, but um, I, can, I can feel empathy for that person that is not understanding. They don't feel welcome, right? They want to get in shape before they come to the gym. And we need to figure out how to give them a better option than waiting until they um, take that action to come to us. And so giving them a shortened session or a program that is specific and has a timeline and says, hey, just get through this win the day, win the week. And, uh, and then, you know, after that, we'll talk. Do you want to keep doing this? So I, I think maybe it gets into the second question or third question you're going to ask, but I think it relates specifically to what Jeff, Jeff's mentioning, which is we can't always um, speak to all the markets unless we give a specific something yeah. that they're doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, I do want to ask each of you, you know, what are some creative events, programs, strategies, that you can share that you're doing to engage your community and draw people in. Um, Jeff and Joanna just shared a couple. I'll come back to you all in case you have others. Um, but Sheldon, let's go ahead and start with you. What are some specific examples that you can share? Well, for us, um, we know we, we, we a few years ago, we said like, we'd like to get a few more younger folks in the facility, maybe attract a millennial age group. And we did our research. We found out that a lot of them really loved knowing that they were part of something that was um, that they can share with friends through social media that they're part of. So we said, like, hey, we got to tie ourselves to some charities that are really powerful, that make people feel good about walking in our facility and being part of it. So doing charity events is our big ticket item to draw the community who don't normally look, uh, come to the club. So every, every month, once a week, we open up the entire health club to the entire community for a boot camp. Wow. You don't have okay. to work out. You can just come and just support all we ask, if you walk in the building, you just give $5 to this uh, donation. We make a big deal out of it. We give prizes away. Obviously, in October this month, it was, it was breast cancer awareness, obviously. So everyone's wearing pink and we're all giving away prizes. And we do it in our big, you know, 2,000 square foot um, functional training area. So we typically will, 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 will reach out to the primary local facilitator, what this charity may be, and really get them involved a few months early. And they will take um, whatever we need to share to their immediate network, and they will share it everywhere. Everyone in the local Lancaster community, everyone who wants to support this amazing cause. We don't have to go out of sweat. We just need your support. And it really spreads like wildfire. And on the one day, uh, we don't make it any more than that. We run this big event and we'll raise thousands of dollars because we will also do it on our, 
on our online um, portal as well to donate without even showing up either. And so we, it's been very successful for us. And we see a lot of people walk in and out of the building who have never been in here before because they just want to support the cause. You know, uh, in August, we did Schreiber Pediatric Hospital. Next month, we're going to do um, Mom's House. In December, we're going to do A Week Away, which is a local charity where um, if you are someone suffering from a life-threatening illness, you and your family can travel away on uh, somewhere, almost like it's, it's almost like a make-a-wish, except it's more local. And, it's a, and these local charities, people know them because they're right next door to them, and they just really like that we are supporting local charities. Um, so another thing we do, we do an open house. Yes, our open house is about selling memberships, but we try to tie in our community partners and we've had a lot of them and they pretty much take over the building. I'll be honest, sometimes our, our members don't love the open house because the place is a mob scene, you know, but we see so many fresh faces. You can come in, bring your kids, hang out, have fun. There's food, there's games, there's stuff going on. We got the radio stations around and it's, it, yes, there's a call to action. It's our best prices of the year, but our community partners are there and they are engaging our community. For us, it's community, 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 charity, charity, charity. That is our biggest grand slam in terms of catering to that, those who don't know us yet. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Those are great programs, it sounds like. All right, Brent, do you have uh, specific examples you can share of ways Rochester? Yeah, I can give you, I can give a couple different ones. I'll, I'll veer off the charity shell nuts. Those are great. And, um, you know, we do some of those things as well. One of the things that we did in, um, when our club was first shut down, when everybody's clubs were first shut down uh, in March of 2020, um, you know, and the world was just, just really disrupted and nobody knew what was really going on. Uh, Rochester, Minnesota is home to Mayo Clinic. Um, and there's 34,000 employees at Mayo Clinic. And, um, you know, nobody knew quite what was it, it was going to be like. Schools were no longer in session. And, and we became, uh, we got a call from uh, uh, somebody at the, at the clinic wondering if we would be a, a resource or a help for um, a daycare setting for their employees. Because they had a childcare setting at Mayo Clinic, but we have this giant facility that's empty. So we worked with them and uh, we, for, for several weeks, uh, we, Mayo and us worked together to put uh, all their kids in our club. And we basically ran summer camps during, uh, during COVID and our park, people were looking at our parking lot, like what's going on there. I thought everything was supposed to be closed, but um, so that was a pretty uh, impactful uh you know, kind of a, I mean, it wasn't really designed to be community outreach, but it sure ended up being that. Uh, it was very positive uh, for us. Um, uh, just on a, on a different note, uh, we have, uh, I'll flip it to advertising for a second and how we kind of are trying to engage um, the community just through how we advertise. Uh, we've, we flipped our advertising to from a 30 second, we always do 30 second television commercials and we always try to saturate the market in non-prime time. We really took a different focus um, about 10 months ago. We shifted our ad, ad campaign um, to, to kind of tap into the emotions of people and, and how we um, were as a club. We went to 60, a 60 second commercial for the first time ever. And we focused in our prime time spots where we had never focused before. We actually were, we hit the winter Olympics really hard this year. 
And um, I have never had so many text messages from people I know saying, I'm sorry, your mug on the TV again. <laughs> but the, our, the whole message behind the commercial was, <clears throat> um, you know, just taking care of your bodies and, and trying to resonate with where people were at. Uh, with COVID and, and socializing with friends and meeting new people. And we use drone footage for the first time because, you know, we have this, this beautiful space with high ceilings and, and having the drone footage go over the, over these areas, um, I think spoke to people in a different way. So um, I don't know, two very different, different methods, but that's a couple of examples I have. Yeah, no, those are great. Thanks, Brent. Corey, do you have some specific examples that you can share? I have some specific, of course I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I will tell you, uh, Joanna and Jeff, uh, I just, I'm gonna go back to something they said. Uh, I, they talked about customer experience. As you know, years ago, I wrote a book on customer experience. That's how passionate I am about the experience that we give in fitness. It could literally make or break a membership. And so when I think about that, both in and out of the studio for us, at a studio level at VoloFit or even when at my previous roles, um, we have a huge grassroots campaign. It's part of our uh, studio operations, 70% uh, of our memberships in pre-sale, which we start three months prior to a studio opening. We are out in, this, in the community um, doing, uh, you know, we spend two hours a day in the community and then we set up a variety of different outdoor workouts and socials with our local bars, restaurants, and apartment complexes. And so normally on a typical cadence, we would have two to three of those each week for three months in a row. Um, we have one tonight at a beer garden. Uh, we have 17 people signed up, but it's great, but it, it's still about the experience, right? And so even after the workout, we'll, we'll treat people to some food, some drinks, um, and just nurture them along and build a relationship to Sheldon's point and everyone's point. It's not about just selling the membership. I always say you could have the best trainer in the world if you can't sell a membership and provide a great experience for someone to say yes, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, so really prolific in the, in, in the community. And then finally, we leverage some influencers in the community, um, which has been really good. We're, we're, I'm really big with social media um, and, and so um, really organic type of stuff. And when I say influencers, I don't mean someone that has a million followers. Um, it could be the uh, Facebook moms group, uh, you know, uh, head of that or the PTA or um, so anyone in your community that carries some weight, uh, we try to build a relationship with them, invite them into what we do and talk about how we help people change lives. So when we drill down, that's that's typically how we do that on an ongoing basis um, from both pre-sale to when we open. Yeah. Great advice. And to your influencer point, like you said, you know, someone doesn't necessarily have to have a huge following and um, Rochester Athletic Club just experienced this where someone on TikTok came in and reviewed their facility and it ended up going viral. And this was not something that you guys had planned, right? This, he just randomly did it. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah. Didn't even know he did it till it was out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, the yeah, and I was, I was just going to say Instagram is, is it, and most of you know this specifically, um, is so underutilized. You get a lot of followers, or and not even a lot, but you get followers every single day. Those are leads. And so we need to engage those people and teach our salespeople and GMs to how to go about engaging them. What's the messaging like? Um, but the days of just doing digital advertising, as everybody could probably attest to, are over, right? You still need to do it. <laughs> but it's not the only uh, avenue to getting uh, leads and, and understanding who's in your community. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, Carolyn, what are some specific um, examples you can share of events, programs, or strategies you guys are doing to engage the community? Yeah, I'll use a couple different examples that we've been doing here. The first one is we formed a wellness advisory board um, with local individuals in um, we have a chiropractor, we have a primary uh, care provider, we have a um, exercise physiologist and mental health professional, as well as um, physical therapists that have a specialty in, in sports medicine. And what we have done with that is we have periodic meetings with them. And right now they continue to be Zoom, but we have our internal wellness committee that um, meets regularly with our wellness advisory board. And it gives us a great um, avenue for real feedback about what is going on in the community. So what are they seeing and what are their patients struggling with? And um, it's a reality check for us because you really hear what's going on out there and the, the fear and the stress um, and how much people are dealing with. And that feedback allows us to better formulate our wellness programs that we run internally. So one of the things that it helps us do initially is we run a series of wellness lectures, um, typically about once a month. And we offer them in person here at the club in, in hopes of having people come and see what we have to offer, but also most of them are offered virtually. So you know, based on their feedback, then we can better um, develop programs that are gonna meet the needs of the community. So that has been really helpful for us. So we run, you know, things that um, help people with, we have a Parkinson's in the past. We also right currently are doing a fall prevention program. Um, we run weight management, our healthy living program with an exercise component. So that is a great avenue for us to be able to service that population that um, maybe has never been into a club before or really been exercising in the past. And once they get in here and they um, experience the social aspect of being active, that is just a great tool um, for them to be able to spread the word to other people who are struggling with similar things. So we've kind of switched up the way we approach that program um, because it is typically a program where you have um, many folks who are deconditioned. Um, obesity is an issue for many and they struggle with a lot of health risk factors. So what we've tried to do is change that a little bit. So rather than going through a, a um, kind of a fitness curriculum and introducing them to the various aspects of fitness, we bring them down to all kind of play pickleball together. Um, we introduce them to water exercise, which for many of them can be a fearful experience, but when they're in it together and they meet on a regular basis and they see that social aspect, um, the feedback that we're, we're getting from our registered dietitians is they really enjoy it. They enjoy going through a hoist demo as a group because many of them have never been on a machine. They don't know how to set the seat up. And it's just a very positive um, experience. And that in turn leads to those referrals um, to other deconditioned people who feel as though they can come to Cedardale and feel comfortable and have fun. 
which I think is huge because you, you want to look forward to going and being active. And those programs have really helped us achieve that. Yeah. Awesome. Joanna, were there any other specific examples that you wanted to share? Um, you know, I'll, I guess uh, as people have been talking, I've been writing down a couple of things. And um, I guess the, the other thing I would like to share, maybe it goes into a different topic here, but um, is when we think about that 80%, and I'm going to suggest we're talking about 70% because we're going to we're going to chunkify it a bit. Um, but also looking at that percentage, maybe that 70%, what other industries are they consistently involved in? I know the, in, uh, the fitness industry commonly talks about hospitality, right? Because obviously member experience is huge, but we can't have a member experience if we can't get them in our doors. Um, so the, you know, one of the industries I've been looking at recently is the weight loss industry. Clearly it's a different concept, right? You take a pill or you reduce your food or you eat differently, whatever very different than being active in fitness, but what are the couple things they've done that we could apply? And um, I, you know, a couple things that have been going through my mind that maybe would help us attract um, people is number one, they, they commonly talk about not being perfect. And um, I don't know how we do that. I don't have the answer, but we need to have something that associates not being perfect with us. And I don't know that it has to be someone that's a larger person or, or, you know, has a shape um, that's different, but somehow we need to realize, they need to recognize, I, I commonly get asked myself, I'm a fitness person. People are like, oh, you must work out all the time. You never, you know, you never eat desserts. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm the first person to say <laughs> you should eat desserts. Right. And that's what Jenny Craig and, you know, if, if they're even around anymore, um, that's what they did is they said, you can have a cheat day right? So how are we explaining to people that it isn't just about doing this every single day and the consistency of it? Yes, you do need to move. Yes, you need to keep that in your mind. So look at the weight loss industry. What are things we can apply? One of the things I think is how do we communicate not being perfect? How do we communicate that there are cheat days, right? Um, And how do we also communicate? I think the weight loss industry does a good job of small progression. And, you know, just uh, mark, I don't know how they do it exactly, but mark one when you ate this and mark a two when you ate that and mark a three. And I realize we have fantastic providers that do, you know, heart rate monitors and exercise planning and blah, blah, blah. Is that just too much to bite off for that 70% of the market? And how can we make that a lot more simple? So I'll mention that. I don't know if it takes us into a different topic, but as everyone was talking, I was thinking, how can we simplify? How can we allow cheat days? How can we be less perfect? And how can we have improved um, daily progression for people? Yeah. I like like to expand on that because yeah, Yeah. we we just pivoted now to something that we're quite passionate about. Um, And, you know, our, the club owner here, um, if you guys don't know Rick Castleberry, he owns this club. And he's obsessed with reading. All right. Um, matter of fact, I can't go into work most days without some new book that he throws at me. Sheldon, you must read this. Well, we had a very eye-opening moment a couple, uh, maybe it was a year or two ago, where we read Atomic Habits, and uh, and then we read another book called No Sweat. I think that's by Michelle Seeger. If anybody listening to this right now has not read these two books, you need to read it, and you really should have your staff read these two books: Atomic Habits and No Sweat. They completely change the way we treat someone brand new who's never done this before. 
there's, there's, an, there's a big, big realm of behavioral change specialists that are now emerged in our industry. And we see it in conferences and education, but it's not enough of that content and material is making its way to operators and to people who market and to people who sell. So what we found out was a much better way to integrate somebody is to, they need to have a strong sense of autonomy on how this journey is meant to look for them. Instead of a script of when you get someone in front of you, we're going to get you successful. It is not about you and your script and, and getting them to a certain place. It is their choice. How does it look for them? You tell me what works for you. You tell me the pace that feels right. And what ends up happening, and, we, and, and our fitness concierge and sales teams are practicing this now and seeing better results and higher check-ins and club usage. The member feels autonomy. They feel choice. They feel like they're not being pushed beyond their own decision. They feel ownership of the path that they're going down. And they don't, they're less focused on a physical, tangible, measurable result and more focused on just being better at a certain behavior. And when that becomes more of the focus, it becomes less stressful to come into the gym day by day by day to get to a certain tangible goal and more about me adopting a lifestyle. This really has to work its way up the operational line to owners and operators, sales and marketing people to focus on these things. It is the direction of our industry. That's why wellness is growing so huge right now in our industry. It's why behavioral health modification is making its way to the forefront. And it has truly changed the way we integrate um, our members. It is, it is all about that. So someone, yeah. So again, read the book, Atomic Habits and No Sweat. They're just absolute game changers for us. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, that's a great point, Sheldon. I think lifestyle behavior management is really a key area for gyms to focus on. So, um, Jeff, do you have anything to add on this? Uh, I'll fire through, yeah, I'll fire through a bunch of things just in the interest of time, um, and hopefully some things will, thoughts will help. So first off, um, your non-member programming. Uh, we have programming across the board. Take a look at what you have for non-member options because that is a big source of foot traffic and a big source of foot traffic for the 80% of the market. So meaning we had pre-COVID 2,800 kids in our swim school, 80% non-members. So we were filtering just a lot of kids and, and families through, through our programming alone. On the flip side, we have 50, 50% as it relates to uh, tennis programming that we had. So we really focused uh, over the years on our you know, youth programming to get those young toddlers in here starting to play tennis and racket sports. And, and then we have a whole dance school and it's about 60% non-member in our dance school. Um, and again, so we're getting this foot traffic of folks in here that, that don't belong to health clubs. They stumble upon your programming. So again, take a look at your programming, see what you're willing to offer a non-member and pricing, get that up to a price point that you're comfortable with. You do have to watch your uh, parking and all that. So you start to create traffic that, is not a membership, so you got to balance that. But we've been we've been fighting that sort of balance uh, for years um, as it relates to the overall traffic to the club. That also goes into our relationship with our physical therapy company. Um, we have uh, you know ACAC out of Virginia doesn't really the masters of the sixty for sixty people coming out of uh, therapy and programming. We've seen in the past six months the most amount of people taking advantage of that 60-60 coming out of our physical therapy and seeing the highest level conversion uh, of that. Um, we have, as Carol mentioned, we have dietitians. We've had them for 
uh, 12 years, but we're also do, we've discovered over the past six, seven years that you can combine programming with dietitians and bill out through insurances through that. So we've been doing that for uh, quite a long time. What we've discovered over the past six to nine months is that that through people changing their insurances through the pandemic, um, through the fact that insurances pay differently now through the pandemic, you know, the, the landscape's changing a little bit, but um, the big thing is that there's the lack of coverage because people have changed and moved away from contract insurance as we had. So our pitch was always, hey, through our sales team and the whole process, you get an 80 percenter. You go, hey, you may want to go into this program. You could have insurance coverage. Well, guess what? A lot of people don't have the coverage. But guess what? We're now seeing more people paying in full out of their pocket that aren't members of the club. They're paying six hundred and ninety nine dollars for a program. Um, we're seeing it more and more in the 80 percent market. So. Number one, look at your programming and make sure you're making the right margins, make your decisions as a business owner and operator, what you're willing to in terms of profit margin or potential loss to get the foot traffic in through your programming. Because when we're talking about that 80% market, when I was talking about really delivering the great experience, it's totally different. And it costs money, costs a lot, costs a lot of money to service this market. So you as a culture and as a company, you got to decide, you know, how willing you're interested in going down that road. Um, but what I'm here to tell you is what we're seeing is we're seeing more and more people willing to dig right into their own pocket because they don't have the insurance coverages and pay because they want the delivery. So you've got to make sure you can deliver that good experience. And going back to uh, what Sheldon was talking about, people who really understand lifestyle change, our dietitians have been doing that for a long time. They, they see uh, what Carolyn was talking about, getting people to try different things in the club through that process as a non-member and going through our programming is so important. Again, a lot of a lot of effort, a lot of time uh, to take it. But we've, uh, so our, our, our current groups that are going on, we have 45 people in three different groups right now. Um, there's about 31 non-members. Um, and uh, our last group, we had about 50% uh, about conversion into membership. So we're gonna continue to monitor that. Um, uh, but I just wanna mention that diabetes is a big thing. We're, we're, we're putting some eggs in the basket on diabetes simply because we went through a um, audit during the, the pandemic, which really stunk, is going through an audit with our insurance carriers. Um, and I won't even go down that road in terms of learning a lot about how the insurances work is in terms of thought process and what is covered through somebody who qualifies. But long story short, diabetes is always qualified. So we're, we're particularly, instead of us worrying about, oh, their BMI is this, do they qualify and what we learned through that process, we know through that process that diabetes is all in with insurance coverage. So we're really going down that pathway. We're launching our first diabetes group in January, um, separate from our lifestyle program, so that we're targeting messaging uh, the diabetic community, which, which if you talk to physicians and you know, anybody obviously in the industry, that is such a major problem for our country is managing uh, diabetes, uh, which can be managed. Um, and we did start, just like Carolyn said, a medical advisory board. So that's a tough road to, to hose, you know, in terms of trying to get in front of physicians. But that advisory board has got us three meetings this upcoming over the next three weeks with uh, six physicians at each meeting because of the advisory board opening up that gateway for us. So, again, if you're interested in going down this pathway with the 80 percent market, uh, a great uh, piece of advice, as Carolyn said, is start that um, advisory board because they could open up we're finding that's opening up pathways for us um so yeah 
that's those are those are my items. Awesome. Well, I think we could have this panel run for two hours, <laughs> so we'll have to do a part two. Um, I just want to summarize a few key themes that I'm hearing from all of these specific examples. Um, I think first, you really have to engage your community. You have to go to them. You can't expect them to come to you. I think second, you have to be extremely in tune to your community needs, which are changing constantly. I think a great example was what Brent shared, where they partnered with the Mayo Clinic to be a child care. That was an in-the-moment need that they addressed. And I think lastly, um, another common theme was really just addressing fears, emotions, concerns, and um, like Sheldon said, really being in tune to behavior management and trying to figure out that equation. So um, we are about out of time. Did anyone have a point um, that we didn't get to that they'd really like to share before we end? Any final pieces of advice or books or anything? <laughs> I guess read the book, according to Sheldon. You gotta go read the book. Yeah. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah. No sweat. Awesome. No sweat. Perfect. All right. Well, since we're about out of time then, if anyone doesn't have anything to add, we'll go ahead and end. But I'd like to thank each of you for your time. Um, all great examples and insights. Um, and everyone had enjoyed the rest of your day. Thank you, Thanks, guys. Thank you. 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 Thank you.